Welcome to I Love Palm Beach, brought to you by GL Luxury Group with Partners Mortgage 300, a local Florida lender. The show where we talk about everything that Palm Beach County, Florida has to offer and why you should make it your home. We're a team of real estate professionals who love where we live, and we want to show you why you will love Palm Beach too. You'll learn all about Palm Beach lifestyles, hobbies, fun pastimes, and all the amazing things to do here. Listen in to find the best of Palm Beach. Whether it's a specific food or service, Palm Beach has it all and does it bigger and better. You'll also hear local hero stories featuring some of the incredible people that call Palm Beach home. Now, without any further ado, here's your host, Rebecca Giacoba, with co-host Stephanie Ko. Hi, everybody. Welcome to I Love Palm Beach. And we have a really special guest here today. We have Bob Burke, who's a published author of the renowned book called The Go-Giver. Hey, Bob, thanks for being here today. Thank you both for having me. What an honor. Well, first off, would you mind telling us a little bit about The Go-Giver and the mission inside of it? Well, The Go-Giver is a business parable, so it's a short story. It's a work of of fiction co-authored by uh, John David Mann, who's a fantastic writer. He was actually the lead writer and storyteller. I'm much more of a how-to person. I'm step-by-step, one, two, three. I'm I'm kind of the boring guy. And so, thankfully, John's a great storyteller. And it's really, um, you know, the basic message in the book is that shifting your focus, and this is really where it begins, shifting your focus from getting to getting. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a a more fulfilling way of conducting business, but the most financially profitable way as well. And, you know, and not for some kind of way out there, woo woo, magical, mystical type of reasons. It actually makes very logical sense when you are that person who can take your focus off yourself and place it on serving others, discovering their needs, their wants, their desires, helping them to overcome their challenges, helping move them to happiness. Uh, People tend to feel good about you. They feel great about you. They want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you, do business with you, and they want to tell the world all about you to be your, what we call, personal walking ambassadors. Absolutely. And then would you mind giving a brief overview of the five laws found therein? Not at all. I'd love to. The five laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. Um, the, the first law, the law of value, um, which says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment, which could sound kind of counterintuitive when you think of it, give more in value than I take in payment. Sounds all nicey, nice and everything, but it sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy, right? Uh, so we just have to understand the difference between price and value. Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth to a or value to another person's life that they will willingly exchange their 
their money for it. So if we took the the simple example of an accountant who you hire to do your taxes and she charges you $1,000, right? That's her, her <laughs> price, her fee, her price. But what value does she give you in exchange? Well, she saves you, let's say, $5,000 in taxes. She saves you countless hours of time. She provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly, right? So she gave you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 price. So you feel great about it. And she made a very healthy profit. And the key to this is first understanding that in any free market-based exchange, and when I say free market, I simply mean no one's forced to do business with anyone else. There should always be two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them come away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. But the other key point is understanding that the reason this took place was because she, her focus was not on her fee. Her focus was on the immense value she was providing her client. The money was just the result. So as John David Mann and I like to say, money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, meaning the value must be your focus, the value you're providing another person. The money you receive is simply a natural result of the value you've provided. Now, I'll just shoot quickly through the other one so I don't take up too much of your time here because, I, you know, we, could, we, could we appreciate it. <laughs> but the, number two, the law of compensation simply says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So it's not a matter of just having one client, but how many lives do you impact with your immense value? Law number three, the law of influence says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. No, not in a self-sacrificial way <laughs> or a martyrish type of way or a doormatty type of way. No, it's simply understanding that, you know, what I call the golden rule of business, and that is all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, like and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you and others than by genuinely moving from that I focus or me focus to that other focus. Now, law number four is the law of authenticity. And this says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. In this part of the story, um, Deborah Davenport, who was the very successful realtor, shared that that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and they are important, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. But when you do, when you show up the same way, day after day, week after week, month after month, people not only feel good about you, people feel comfortable with you. People feel safe with you because they know who they're getting. Now, I think authenticity today has been kind of, it's an overused word now. And, and it's come to mean, well, no boundaries, just whatever you want to say and do, that's authentic. I disagree with that. You know, that would sort of be like the person who says, well, I have anger issues and I yell at people a lot. And if I were to act any differently, that wouldn't be authentic of me. And that's malarkey. It simply means that person has an authentic problem <laughs> that they need to authentically work on in order to become a better, higher, more effective, authentic version of themselves. So we don't want to use authenticity as an excuse to not grow, but as a, an impetus to become our highest selves. I, I define authenticity very simply. It's simply acting congruently with your values. 
that's really authenticity. And then the last one, law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And this really means that, yeah, you breathe out. You also have to breathe in. It's not (laughs) one or the other. It's both, right? We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. And despite the many negative anti-prosperity messages we get from the world around us, fact is giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin and they work in tandem. And when we when we give value to others and touch the lives of many and place their interests first and come at it from our authentic core, we've created what we call the benevolent context for success. Now we just need to allow ourselves to receive with gratitude. I love it. It's absolutely beautiful. And thank you for giving us a taste. And I'm sure I'm sure that you've now enticed all of our listeners to go out and read your book. There's so much more value in there. And it's such wonderful principles that apply to everyone, right? That's been my philosophy in business from the beginning is to approach with hands open because if your hands are closed as what you're trying to receive back, you'll never be able to grab the opportunities in front of you either. So I think it's beautiful, beautiful. Um, how, what kind of feedback have you received from readers or audiences about the impact of the go-giver on their lives or businesses or organizations? Well, fortunately, you know, since this book's been released years ago now, um, we've just been so honored uh, to receive so much great feedback on it. And what was interesting to John and and me, and I I think this is what kind of surprised us, um, is that the, the initial adopters, if that's the right name, uh, of the book were not the people who needed it. Our first wave of emails after it was released was from the people who said, this is how I built my business, or this is what I did in building my empire, or this is how I did the blah, 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 blah. But none of my people believe me, <laughs> right? Because we've all I've been brought up watching the TV shows or the movies where, you know, they had to be horrible and terrible and ruthless and this and that. And, 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 you know, they said, this is how I did. They won't believe. So it apparently what they did was they started sharing the book and used it as third party credibility with the people who they wanted to teach. So we were getting orders for, you know, tens and hundreds and sometimes thousands of books uh, for them to share throughout their team. Now, the second wave of emails about six months later came from those people who would say, you know, I never knew business could be done like this before. I feel so much better about myself. I'm much more successful. This book was given to me by my, you know, sales manager or CEO or, you know, whatever. So that was, you know, that's kind of been the feedback. So we've just felt so fortunate for that. Mm-hmm. I want it. Go ahead. I want to ask really quick, what were you and John doing that prompted to write this book? So I think it was back in 2007. It was yeah. Like- yeah. It came out like December 27th, 2007 or something like okay. that. So, yeah. Um, so I had had a book out many years before that in the, in the nineties uh, called endless referrals. Uh, the subtitle was network your everyday contacts into to sales. That was kind of my first major book, if you will. And it was really about how entrepreneurs and salespeople 
could go into their, you know, communities and be able to develop those no like and trust relationships, have people do business with them, refer them to others. And it was for those entrepreneurs and salespeople who knew they had a great product or service, but they didn't feel comfortable with the process of going out and acquiring a new business. So, so um, after the book came out, you know, I'd always read a lot of business parables and I'd always enjoyed them. I think as human beings, we relate to stories. They touch our heart in a, a, a deeper way, a significant way. And I always thought, what if we could take that basic idea or that premise and, and turn it into a story? But, you know, I can tell a story from stage as a speaker, but I'm not a a storyteller as a writer. You know, I'm not a, a fiction writer, and so I'm a how-to writer. But fortunately, I'd met this brilliant guy named John David Mann. Uh, in the early 2000s, I, I was writing a, a monthly column for a magazine. He was editor-in-chief. And even then, John had this fantastic reputation as a writer. He was also a great guy. And so we kind of got to know each other just by by him editing my my um articles every every month uh and developed a friendship and you know i i eventually brought this idea to him uh about this book um and you know he was busy at the time and he wasn't really looking to do and he's by the way he this guy's now co-authored a, a bunch of you know best-selling new york times best-selling books on everything from how to leadership parables uh he even has written now three mystery thrillers i mean this guy's just brilliant but uh one day he and his wife they were back then girl uh fiance now now wife anna they were visiting her mom across the state in in uh, the tampa area and so they took a four-hour drive uh to here in jupiter we had about a three-hour dinner and discussed the idea of the book and you know uh, uh, he didn't even decide then but three weeks later he called and said you know I think we got something here. Let's do this. So it only took a few months to, to write the book. And again, he was the lead writer, but we got turned down by 24 New York publishing houses over the course of a year before the, the 25th one uh, uh, said yes. So uh, that was kind of a neat thing. And it turned out that they were the, the perfect publishing partner for us. They've been fantastic. I would love to hear about the rest of the series as well. So I see that The Go-Giver is part of a four-book series. Can you tell us about some of the other spin-offs as well? Yeah. So the the, the following book we wrote, Go-Givers Sell More, is the only one in the series that's not a parable. Uh, so it's more of an application guide to The Go-Giver because so many people wrote and said, oh, can you write a book on just, you know, how to actually apply the principles and examples of people who've done such? So that included examples of people who had gotten the book, had some ideas, applied them, wrote to us. But it was also from a lot of people who would who were go-givers, if you will, long before they ever read the book. Those were the, you know, the successful people who never needed the book. They were already doing it. And we included a bunch of their stories as well. Then there was the go-giver leader. And that's, a, again, that's a parable, how the five laws of the go-giver, how they apply to leadership. And then the fourth one in the series, the third parable, the go-giver influencer, which is my favorite of the series. And that's on people skills which I believe is the, you know, sort of that trait or, or or skill, if you will, that can move a person from being fairly successful to being really, really successful. And so that was just a joy to, you know, to, to co-write with John. Now, here's a funny thing. John and his now wife, Anna, uh, they wrote a fifth book together called The Go-Giver Marriage. <laughs> and, and so Anna's background is in that, plus the two of them have a fantastic marriage. And so it's half parable and half how-to. So uh, that's pretty neat itself. So I'm very proud of them. 
I love this quote from it. It says, to say love is what makes a marriage work is like saying it takes oxygen to climb a mountain. Yes, oxygen is necessary, but not sufficient. <laughs> right, exactly. Doing That's the hard it. things. Yeah. I absolutely love it. <clears throat> yeah. Rebecca? Uh, no, I didn't have a comment right now. Well, I think we are at the end of our podcast episode here. We'd like to wrap up with a little bit about your story into, I mean, you spoke about Jupiter before, but maybe touch on how you came to live here and what you love about living in the greater Palm Beach area. Yeah. I, you know, I've been here for 35 years now, and there is not a day that goes by that I don't thank God for being right here in the Palm Beaches. I absolutely love it. Now, I, I grew up in Massachusetts. I'm kind of a wimp, so I don't like the cold. Never did, <laughs> never got it. Okay. Um, so I always, you know, I, I often say to people, I grew up in Massachusetts, but got down here as fast as I could. Uh, and nothing against Massachusetts except for the cold. Uh, but you know, I just really I, I am so grateful to to live down here. Um, my folks had heard about it from a friend of theirs who had heard about it. And again, this is many, many years ago. And so I came down and as soon as I as soon as I stepped foot down here, I said, you know, this is it. This is this is where I want to spend the rest of my life. And I I'm so thankful. Were you joining any family or were you the trailblazer coming down here? So uh, my folks had had, they had bought a place um, uh, part-time. They were going to be snowbirds, okay? Then my sister, in a very quick period of time, my sister got engaged to a guy from Miami who the, my dad and his dad had been old friends. The families had known each <clears> other <throat> you know, for years uh, and had visited each other, Florida and Massachusetts and so forth. Uh, so uh, when Robin and Steve got married, um, uh, that kind of set the stage but um, once uh, Robin was pregnant with the first one, that was it. My folks were no longer snowbirds. They were down here uh, mm -hmm. forever. <laughs> and so it was all in, uh, in the space that I had a brother who was living in Las Vegas at the time. He came back about a, a, a year later. Uh, he kind of helped me get my business started when I was doing it. So within, within the space of about two years, uh, the entire family was relocated and absolutely never looked back. That's awesome. And then right now, what are some things around the holidays, perhaps, that you look forward to being down here? You know, I'm actually um, pretty much of a uh, loner and pretty much of a an introvert, even though it doesn't seem like I am because I get up and stage in front of lots and lots of people. But that's two <laughs> different things. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't really I won't be going out and doing a whole lot of things. I'm really a homebody. And uh, but it's just, you know, it's kind of just enjoying knowing that everybody is having a great time. And I, I think I really take pleasure in that. I just, you know, I, it, it's sort of, uh, just a, a nice feeling, uh, to know, I think the holiday season in South Florida is just a fantastic thing. And so, uh, you know, I, I just kind of, uh, again, I, I, you know, the words that come to mind are just filled with gratitude for being here. Perfect. Well, we are so happy to um, have you here today. This was one of my favorite podcasts. Aww. And it's so nice to have a local who put out such a wonderful book. But I wanted to remind everybody that Bob also has a podcast. And I happen to follow you guys and um, to pick up a book. And hopefully we'll see you in live in person someday. Maybe we can do an event together. I would love that. How fun would that be? That would be really fun. Well, thank you so much for being here on I Love Palm Beach. And everybody have a wonderful day.
Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of I Love Palm Beach. Please feel free to share this podcast with anyone who wants to learn more about our beautiful city. If you're looking to explore all that Palm Beach has to offer, visit our website at www.giaelite.com. That's G-I-A-E-L-I-T-E.com. Or give our team a call at 410-320-4868. We'll catch you in the next episode.